welcome to another episode of Rewind and Reconsider, where we are continuing our Star Wars marathon, and we just finished the prequels, and now we are going to watch Solo, a Star Wars solo movie. Is that what it's called? Anyways, my name's Mia Gravidor. As always, I am joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison. Am I allowed to turn around now? Yes, you can turn around okay, now. Okay, yeah, she made me turn around. So that I wouldn't look at her during the intro, because it, it was like, we're on, like, what, take 12? No. It's take four. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're today we're going to be watching Solo, A Star Wars Story, which is chronologically the next Star Wars movie. Is after... it necessary? No, it's not. It's not necessary at all. You just had to get that in right yes, now? Yes, I'm, I'm, yes. <laughs> okay, well, Mia, since you feel like it was not necessary, I'll pose this question to you first. Why, uh, what, like... What do you remember about this movie? It being bad. Okay, anything specific about its badness? This is probably the most recent Star Wars movie we watched before our recent rewatch. Yeah. we saw it in theaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think we didn't need a Han Solo movie. We, I mean, Harrison Ford is such a good character for it. We didn't need someone else. And it doesn't, this movie doesn't make sense for him to be that young and look so different. And then going into the um, episode, th- episode four to have him look so old there's i believe like a 20-ish year time like 15 to 20 year time gap between this and episode four i don't think so i think it's more of like a five to ten year time gap okay well you gotta remember harrison ford was still pretty young in exactly so i don't know anyways i just remember being very you have to look past that though i do remember that much like he just he doesn't really look like him he doesn't that's okay it's just a different actor playing the character I mean, you can be, you can, you could play a character where you sort of look similar, but at long, as long as you have the character nailed down and the acting, then it could be more believable. But with, I feel like when I first saw this with this guy, he just, he was not good. He couldn't capture the charm and like, the charm and just kind of suave of Harrison Ford. I remember mostly agreeing with that. I guess we'll have to see on rewatch because I like I, I have some thoughts on it. I still remember enjoying this movie because despite that, despite Lando being just awful, I did not enjoy I didn't the either. portrayal Sorry, of Lando. Sorry, that's a steaming hot take. <laughs> yeah, um, I, and we'll get into why when we rewatch and talk about the movie. I, I thought that overall, like in my recollection, like it was a fun plot line that kind of showed why someone would become the way that Han Solo was. And I thought outside of those two was mostly pretty well acted and um, well-written-ish. I remember there being a twist at the end and it just make, didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. That well, was kind of stupid. <laughs> um, I guess, like, you, we answered your question already. Like, the, you know, do you think it's going to hold up? No. I actually think that you're going to be pleasantly surprised on rewatch. No. Um, I am expecting to enjoy this movie again. You enjoyed um, and, it in theaters? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but I enjoyed it enough. I just felt like, I think when I was, I remember watching it, I felt like this movie was just trying to be fan service to everyone. Because it's like, you have these like different cameos from other, other characters, and it's for the sole purpose of people just screaming about it. There is the a bit of that. I mean, I, I guess, okay, yeah, let, let's just go rewatch it, and we will see how much of this stuff is uh, still relevant. All right, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And we're back. We just watched Solo, a Star Wars story. And so as we do here on Rewind and Reconsider, we do a 60-second summary. And I think I'm going to do it. 
Or do you want to do it? No, you can do it. You, okay. were, you were practicing. So I know I, I was. I think you can go ahead. Okay. Do you want to time me? Yeah. All right. Ready? Go. So we start off on Carillion, Carillius, Carillion. And um, it is, we see Han Solo and his girlfriend, Kira. They are in a, um, like, cult thing where some lady takes care of them. They're orphans, basically. And then they try to escape, but Kira gets left behind. And Han Solo gets to go to join the army of the First Order. The Imperials. Imperials, whatever. Imperials. And um, he deserts them because he doesn't like them. And he meets up with Woody Harrelson and his ragtag team of uh, mercenaries. And he's like, I want to do a job with you. And he's like, let's do a job. And they go do a job. They steal some uh, crystal shit or something like that. And it's on a train. And um, then all of a sudden, these other people come. And they're like, that's our crystal stuff. And then they're like, no. And then everything blows up. And like pretty much half of that team dies. And then they have to go back to the crime syndicate that they are working for. And... And surprise, Kira's there. And then um, Paul Bettany's there too. And he is like, I'm mad. I'm going to kill you. And, and then Hansel is like, wait, hold on. No, wait, we can, we can, we can, um, <laughs> we can win those back. We can get the stuff back. And he's like, okay, I won't kill you. So then they go. And then a lot of double crossing happens. And uh, we meet Lando and we get a ship. And then they go and they almost die. And then, um, and then it turns out Kira is a bad person, and then um, they give the uh, crystals to the people that were trying to steal it from the train. And it turns out they're the rebels, and there's um, then everyone's happy. Bye. Okay, you went like thirty seconds over. Um, you missed a couple things. Um, also, Lando. They they meet up with Lando at one point, get him to join their team, get to borrow his ship. Uh, he is in love with a female robot, uh, and like that's like a major plot line of the movie. I'm not kidding if you haven't seen this. Um, and you also just miss that like everyone is constantly trying to double cross everyone, and uh, Darth Maul randomly shows up at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the person who um, the Kira character is working with. Yeah, is running the Black Sun. I feel like I hit the major plot points. Yeah, you hit almost all of it, and also it's Corellia. Okay, whatever. What was I saying? Not whatever you said, Corellium or something. It's the same. It it doesn't matter because we never go back. So yeah, just like Han Solo. Exactly. He never went back. Or I mean, maybe he did, but we may never find out because I don't know that they're going to make a sequel to this. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so let's get into what we did like. So please, enlighten me on why you think this movie was actually good. Okay, um, I think the thing that I liked about it was that it kind of, like, what I feel like these anthology films should be, if they're going to make any more of them, and I'm not sure that they will because I think that the reception to Solo, like, even though I'm pretty sure it made money, I think that it just, it didn't make as much as they were probably hoping for, and it sounds like, like, all those reports that, like, basically they're shelving a lot of the anthology films for now. So, I I don't know that we'll get more of these movies, but what I liked about Solo was that it did what I think they should try and do, which is... Don't tell us some story about how a person saved the galaxy. And don't tell us a story about a person that's like base, that's a Skywalker or a Force-sensitive. Like, fill in these... This is what The Mandalorian so far is doing so well as, uh, as well on TV. Is like, fill in these holes in, like, either characters' backstories or in the history of Star Wars or in just kind of the unexplored parts of the timeline uh, and like I-, I liked that it was smaller scale like there were no kind of larger things at stake here uh like it was a story of kind of, that i think really does a good job of explaining 
like, you know, by showing Han Solo growing up around these awful people and almost in some ways aspiring to be one of them, like, why he is the way that he is by the time that the original trilogy rolls around. And, like, the stakes of the movie are Han Solo's trying to not die. Like, they they try to have, like, he, he escapes from Corellia to get seek a better life. Then he gets out of the Imperial Navy to because he doesn't want to get shot up and he sees, you know, like, people dying in front of him in a war that he doesn't care about and doesn't really understand why it's happening. Um... And then he goes and, like, he sees crime as his way out and, like, uh, hustling, basically, as his way out. But then he's constantly getting betrayed. And, like, the only, the major stakes in this movie are, like, he's just trying to save his life. Like, they fail in that first heist. They need to complete a second one in order to not get killed by the Black Sun. And I just like that they didn't try to be like, haha, yeah, but I bet you didn't know about the time that Han Solo actually stole the Death Star plans or something like that. Or, like, you know, make it some integral plot point to the movies and like again that, that isn't to say anything we're gonna watch rogue one next and like rogue one does fill in a major plot line of like one of the other movies and that's fine because i also i, I like the way that that one did it too but i just think that there is so much space in this galaxy far far away to tell stories that are not cent centered on a jedi that are not centered on that show what life was like for everyone else in this like very lived in universe that you, you lucas originally created and so I, I just liked that it was a little bit smaller stakes i thought it was overall a fun heist movie and i think that it gets a lot of hate because number one like the guy that plays han solo is like he's not harrison ford and that like he doesn't really look like him he kind of gets some of the mannerisms right but it almost feels like somebody doing like a cosplay type thing like it's not it's not like tom hanks playing mr rogers where they actually like seamlessly slide into the character it's a little bit more of like almost doing an impression and i like he didn't truly make the role his own and i think that that is like the actor somewhat at fault for that but overall i thought that it was well acted i thought it was mostly well written and like i just i I think I enjoyed, like, a lot of aspects of it. Did you enjoy it more than you did when you saw it in theaters? Honestly, I think I did because I knew that, like, I, I knew some of the stuff was coming, so I was kind of watching for it. Like, there are, like, subtle things that they do to make him seem more heroic, which I don't know if I liked or disliked, but I enjoyed picking up on them the second time, like... When they're trying to escape Corellia, they kind of made it her fault that she got caught so that it wouldn't seem like Han Solo was just the scummy guy that, like, raced through the thing. And, uh, like, because she was the one that was delaying them by not giving that gate agent the bribe as quickly as Han Solo wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of, like, put the blame on her. And so there was, like, a lot of stuff. Like, they never show Han killing one of the rebels. Uh, when the people that we later find out are the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance are attacking them and trying to steal the um, the fuel that they're trying to steal back from, from the Empire, back from Han and his gang. Um, and so, like, they never show him killing one of those rebels. And so I just thought that there, there were all these little subtle things that I only picked up on the second time where, like, they just did not want fanboys going back and being like, ha-ha, Han Solo, yeah, but he killed, like, one of the rebels one time, so he's actually not that great. Um, and so, yeah, I, I actually think I enjoyed it more the second time. Like, was there anything you liked about it? Because I know you were very pessimistic going into this movie, and I also feel like I fanboyed out for, like, five minutes now. So I think it's your turn. Um, I think on the whole, having a heist movie set in the Star Wars universe was actually pretty interesting. Um, 
because you know you don't have the normal stuff that you run into when you're doing a heist movie you know in real time or in the real world so you have like aliens and spaceships and stuff like that I thought that was pretty cool um the train fighting scene was actually really cool because the train was kind of like on two parts like it was kind of like how do I not explain it? Um, yeah, it could flip onto its side because it was almost like on a roller coaster track where yeah. like, it moved in different directions and things like that to kind of go around the mountain that it was attached to. Yeah, I mean, that was that was really cool um, to see that kind of visual and um, have yeah, it figure like, out. It, it was very Lucas and like original trilogy in like it wasn't, you know, this like super modernized, sleek space shit, space technology thing. It's like. Here's what trains will probably look like, like yeah. way in the future. Yeah. If they have like this kind of magnet technology thing, it was like it wasn't you know this high tech thing. It was just a slight improvement on what we have now, and now it goes around mountains for some reason. Yeah. Um, I think the background characters in this was really cool. I love. I actually really wish that they got more into these this um, uh, NFC Nest. Enfis Nest. Enfis Nest. That whole kind of plot. I, I remember watching it the first time and thinking like, oh, that was a really stupid plot twist. But like going back and thinking about it and watching it now and seeing how that really affects the movies going forward from this, I think that's kind of cool that you're kind of seeing the um, the start of like the rebellion and stuff like that. Um I just wish that they would go more into that because I think that's really interesting to see how that every everything started. Who knows if they would have at some point. I know. It's, oh, that's that's the problem with this movie too. Um, I think they set up so many other cool things that could have happened in other movies, but because um, they pretty much shut down all the spinoff movies. Yeah, this movie made a very concerted... This movie was like mm-hmm. Marvel Universe-esque in trying to set off, set up spinoffs and future storylines and it whatever. It was too confident in itself to be like, oh, we're going to get a sequel. And it's like, oh, wait, no, we're not. So There were all these little like Easter egg things that they dropped to make you... So they could fill in those gaps later because you knew yeah. that like fanboys like me, like I, I heard some of these names and I was like, oh... Are they going to be in the sequel? Or are we going to get like a prequel focused on them? Like, you know, they mention randomly that, and I want to issue a correction here, the first correction in Rewind and Reconsider History. When we were doing the Phantom Menace episode, I talked extensively about Osage Ventress, and I actually meant Aura Singh was the character who cameoed during the pod race thing. And they mentioned her again in this movie, uh, at just to like kind of say that Beckett killed her at one point. Like, uh, you know, Han's uh, mentor, the Woody Harrelson character, just, like, killed her. They just, like, offhandedly mentioned that. And I'm like, oh, so we're going to get, like, a Beckett prequel book at some point focused on this relationship and whatever. I think we, I think we probably would have if this movie was a little bit more of a success. Like, you're rolling your eyes. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I also, they just randomly mentioned Bosk at one point. Like, the bounty hunter from the original trilogy. He's the guy that looks like a dinosaur in a jumpsuit. No, uh, during yeah. Empire okay. Strikes Back. They're just like, oh, we should have gotten Bosk. And I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, is he going to be in the sequel in Solo 2? Or I guess maybe they'd call it like Duo? Yeah, I guess they can't call it Solo. Yeah, they'd have to, you know, like pair or something like that. Um, <laughs> Beckett, when he's leaving before he ultimately comes back and betrays them, he mentions like a job on Tatooine that Han and Chewie mention again when they're ta- basically taking the Millennium Falcon at the end of the movie. And I'm like, oh, like, we already know. Like, I think Solo 2 would have been... 
Jabba. We would have seen the beginnings of Han's relationship with Jabba and why he owed Jabba money and why. But maybe that potentially that mission that they mention in A New Hope where he had jettisoned like cargo in order to escape and Jabba put a price on his head as a result. Like I think we would have probably seen that. They uh, have Darth Maul cameo at the end as Kira's boss and the leader of the Black Sun. Yeah. Just, um, <laughs> just to like set him up potentially as a villain for the next one. Or but we're never getting movie. a second movie. Yeah. So that's what I mean. That's like, so frustrating. Frustrating. It's like they put weight. I feel like if you're going to make, if you're going to make like a series of movies, you need to at least try to have the movie stand alone by itself. I still think that this movie stood alone. It just definitely there was it a lot a of yeah. It want it wanted a sequel too much, and it was just like all these things that they could have gone into a little bit more, but they didn't because they're like, oh, we'll have a next movie to go all into it, and that's just ugh, I don't know. But um, I guess we can go into what we didn't like, because I am ready to rip this movie apart. Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead and uh, you can start it off then. So um, the history behind this movie is that um, the directors and writers for 21 Jump Street and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Lego Movie, I'm blanking on the name, um, um, Lord, uh, Christopher Lord and um, Chris, no, Lord... Oh, here we go. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Okay. They were the head of this movie. And mm-hmm. they um, apparently that was taking too long for Disney um, because they were allowing a lot of improv on set. And they just didn't like the way that this movie was going and the tone of the movie. Um, if you have not seen their movies, they're very loose and fun and very like self-aware movies. Yeah. And that's what makes them great. Um, so they basically asked them to leave. Um did Disney not watch any of their prior movies before giving them this? I don't... See, that's the thing. I'll, I'll get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, so the director's rule... The director's guild rules state that a person who shot 90% of the film will get the directing uh, credit. Um, so they brought in Ron Howard, reshot 80% of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller's footage. That's a lot of footage that he had to just re... Although that's almost better than doing, like, some forced-in reshoot. Like, we saw with uh, Justice League that, like, just reshooting a couple things can almost make it worse because the whole movie's tonally off at that point. Like, it's just, like, almost two different movies. Yeah, so as a compromise, Lord and Miller got executive producer credit and Howard got the director's credit, which I think is kind of... I don't know. I okay, felt so like... what it, is your complaint about the movie? On I think... Front? You just... I think be, when they turn put in uh, Ron Howard as the director, Ron Howard is known for like big budget movies, but like it, he appeals to a mass audience. And I think that Solo could have been something really cool, really funny. And because Han Solo is not a ser- that, that serious of a character as we see in the originals, but you know, having this kind of like watered down version of him, I think that's what really drags the movie because it, 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 this movie plays it safe. Okay. There were, I think there were a couple points where, and you know, obviously these may have been Ron Howard directed scenes. I don't know, but where they do kind of like, you can see the Miller and Lord influence, I think, in just like the way that they play off some of Chewbacca's tendencies at points. Um, You know, there's the opening part where Han Solo gets thrown into the pit with him. And uh, like they mentioned that like Chewbacca has been eating people apparently, which is like a really dark thing to throw into (laughs) Chewbacca's backstory that he was just like, he was 
enslaved on a planet and literally eating humans alive in like a prison pit. Um, there was also, you know, like when he's playing, uh, I believe it's Dejaric is the the game that they're the like chess type game with yeah. the 3D animated characters that he's playing with Beckett, and he tries to knock all the pieces off the board. Um, and they're and like, like, you, you can't... can't do that. It's hologram. And yeah. Then there was like the moment when they're going through and they're trying to steal the fuel when Chewbacca and Han are escaping from their captors that didn't realize that they weren't actually handcuffed or whatever. And Chewbacca literally like rips a dude's arms off. And you get why Han is like, yeah, I've seen him rip a dude's arms off. Yeah, in like the you don't trilogy. mess with Chewbacca. Yeah. And so I, I think that maybe you see a little bit of it there. And th those are very much things that I did not expect from like a Disney Star Wars movie in terms of darkness and like dark humor a little yeah. bit. Because they play them off as almost funny moments. Mm -hmm. And, like, they are funny the way that they're phrased. And so I think maybe you see a little bit of that there. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think this movie just kind of doesn't know its tone. It's like, is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Is it an action? You know, you have that aspect of, like, Kira kind of going into the dark side and you have a romance. But it's not really a romance between her and Han. You don't really know. It just, I just don't think it's, it, the tone of this movie is consistent. I actually kind of liked that because I felt like it just kept, it was constantly subverting your expectations in terms of like you never really knew what was going to happen. Like you weren't really like when Beckett leaves, like the first time I watched that movie, I was not positive that he was going to come back and like betray them and that they were going to have this fight. And then by the end of it, you see like when Han <laughs> you know, like, just shoots him while he's doing his monologue or something, like, he's finally learned the lessons that this world has taught him, like, that, you know, Beckett even literally tells him at one point, they have an exchange where he says, Believe, assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed, and Han just says, that sounds like a lonely way to live, and Beckett says, it's the only way, which yeah, kind so, of foreshadows that final Exactly, showdown. so you're all like, oh, he's gonna come back, it's just... Well, it also shows, like, why Han Solo is going, he's gonna be the type of guy that shoots first in the cantina like he's not going to wait for you to draw your weapon on him and kill him because he is a survivor he came out of these slums and it doing everything that he had to do to stay alive and i think that they also showed that he's fundamentally a good person with how he's willing to help the rebels but even then that's mainly out of self-interest because he doesn't like want to die like he doesn't want them to kill him and just take the fuel and so like i think that they show that he is a good person who also is selfish and we even see that going into the new trilogy that they've been doing in the beginning of the force awakens where he's basically like he abandoned his family because like he couldn't take the pain of like losing his son and like i think that you just see that this guy is like someone who just goes and survives and does what they have to to live even if they have like probably a good heart and a better heart than most of the people that they're running with yeah but i feel like Han Solo in this movie is basically Han Solo the entire movie. Like, you honestly, you maybe see a little bit of character progress or character development a little bit, but it's pretty much, he pretty much stays the same the entire movie. So it just, I just, it just doesn't give it, it doesn't give this movie a reason to exist, you know? It's like, if you, if I want to see Han Solo grow up, I want to see him how he became the way he is. But he just kind of is the way he is the entire movie. I disagree. I, I think that he is more trusting and more naive towards the beginnings of the movie. And no, like, because Even he, in, like, how quickly he wanted Kira to bribe the person with the fuel without knowing if that person would actually let them through and not sound the alarms. Like, I think that he is a person... That's like one instance, though. I'm like, just saying there's several, I think there are several instances throughout the movie where he shows a little bit more 
more naivete than we necessarily associate with him. And like even in the end, when he has the final showdown between him, Kira, and I'm blanking on Paul Bettany's character's name Doesn't off the top matter. of my hand, head. It's Paul and, Bettany. <laughs> yeah, and they're like he leaves fully expecting Kira to fall wait and then follow him and then for for them to stay together, and she just leaves him. And so like then it sets up this final showdown where Beckett is setting him up to kill him and Han just shoots first. He's finally learned his lesson. And I think that you do see character progress in this movie. I think that you also see someone who, like, it shows why he is so slow to trust in the original trilogy. Because it's someone who, like, the girl that they thought they were in love with literally abandons them on a planet. And, like, doesn't, it, like, basically is, like, willing to abandon them twice. Um, you have a mentor who was, like, going to betray him and kill him at every turn. You even have, have Lando, who the original trilogy sets up as, like, a longtime friend of, uh, of Han and they basically hate each other in this movie it's like not even a friendly rivalry it's like a barely veiled despite like a like a disgust frenemy, for one another frenemy. it's not even a frenemy to me <laughs> like they were nice to each other but it was almost like out of necessity and like they just really i i, I don't know just, i think i think the movie was trying to set up the relationship and it was going to grow into the second movie yeah i think definitely they're going to bring him back but again we're never going to get that movie so we were stuck not. with this so yeah. <laughs> um i think another thing i did not like about this movie is that it was basically they did so many like callbacks to other movies just to like please fans you know and it's just like a whole checklist of how oh you know han solo how did he get his last name well it's because he got named solo because he was going into the uh army or the alone alone so it's solo and it's like these are questions that no one fucking asked (laughs) so or how did he get his little dice in the thing oh well here we go it's uh it's it's a big meaning about it and it's like who cares, you know? Yeah, there were all kinds of, like, like I mentioned a couple of the wink-wink nods. There was another thing of, like, uh, of uh, Kira when she's fighting. She just randomly mentions that she learned Terrace Kasi, which is, like, a throwback to the Star Wars Expanded Universe, uh, like a fight, a lightsaber fighting style, basically. <laughs> um, and it was also a fighting style used, I believe, there was a fighting game. I think it was Star Wars, like, Masters of Terrace Kasi, which was, like, it was, like, Mortal Kombat, but with Star Wars, and it was really bad. Yeah, it just um, doesn't... There's just all these things. There's, like, these little wink wink nods not i actually appreciated them but I, I understand if you didn't yeah no but it's just like and like oh how did han solo get his blaster there we go we're gonna show you how to, it's like i you don't need all these questions to be answered sometimes it's good to have them unanswered as in like you know when you have harrison ford playing it you just know han solo as the rogue scoundrel person you know but did you like finding out how he completed the kessel run in less than 12 parsecs i don't give a shit oh i cared that was great I don't give a shit. <laughs> I like that they seamlessly worked it into the story. Like, it wasn't like he was just doing it for fun. Like, he did I, it out yeah, of necessity. I guess. And it, like, it explains why he's bragging about that I later. just... I think this movie... It wasn't a necessary movie, it but was if you're not. a diehard Star Wars fan like I am, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it, I think, a lot more than most people. And I, I just liked the high Stella. It was like Ocean's Eleven in space. It was I guess, fun. but I feel like it was just a very meh movie. Like, it was good. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. It was just there. It doesn't give it a reason to be to exist, you know? And it doesn't... That's. I think that's a fair criticism. It, it, just, it wasn't strictly necessary. It was I just do agree with there, that. you know? I, I enjoyed it, but I also understand those that didn't. And I also think that you're right. It wasn't strictly necessary. No, and I think the person that played Han Solo and also uh, um, Lando, I don't think they put... 
I feel like they maybe felt like they were doing impressions. Yeah, and I feel like maybe if acting. we would have seen the footage before Ron Howard, because I'm sure this is basically all reshoots. They were probably tired. They were probably like, we have to do this all over again. Okay, yeah. I'm only going to put 50% of effort in there. Yeah. And it shows. It shows. And I feel like because this happened, it just doesn't, the characters don't pop as much and they don't seem likable. I know they're not supposed to be likable, but like to have that charm and charisma i just didn't see that at all yeah i i thought overall beyond those two uh, and again it was weird to me that um uh donald glover was getting so much love for his performance as lando when i felt like he was he was just being really i felt like it was a very lazy performance yeah and i also felt like it was not they didn't give him the best material to work with um I, i think and i think that's fair to point out like the the like him being in love with the robot was so weird. Okay, and the robot in general was. Yeah, I, I find it a little annoying. a little amusing that she was kind of like, oh, I'm for robot rights and I'm self aware, and then she just completely starts a robot revolution just offhandedly because she's just like she frees her a droid and the droid asks her like, what do I do? And she says, I don't know, just go start a revolution. So. It's kind of like in the background of them fighting everyone, all these robots are just uprising. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a little bit funny, you have to admit. It was there were moments of it that was funny. I just felt like she was a little much for me. Yeah. A little bit. Um it, it, oh, and then another another thing about this movie is that we have really cool characters. So like we have um the oh blaking on her name. Kira? No, the one before, the woman uh Beckett's lover. Oh, I'm blanking on her name, too. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Beckett's lover. She's played by Thandie Newton, who yes, was in... Yes, um, the actress's name. ...is in uh, Westworld. And there's, like, this really cool monkey thing, right? Yeah, played by uh, John Favreau. Yeah, so... But I thought her character was really cool. She was a badass and everything, and what do they do? They just fucking kill her. Well, she she made an impact in very limited screen time. Like, you, you got a sense for why Beckett would be so angry and just wanting to get out of this. Like... But why even introduce her and then just kill her if you're... I think because they were trying to set up that he had lost people. They showed the, all of their relationship being very familial, and then immediately these two new people come into the crew and both of them die. Yeah, but like... Of like, course he's going to, like, be willing to do anything they're more kind of these characters are way more interesting than our, our main characters they are you would want to kind of follow them and see how they what they do like this whole little ragtag team of mercenaries i wasn't desperate to but i'm sure we'll get like an expanded universe novel no we won't them. because yeah, we <laughs> and like you know they they introduce this whole robot and lando being in love with this robot and then boom she dies and she, but she, now she's the Millennium Falcon's Shut navigation up. system. So, Shut up! So every That's time, so dumb. <laughs> no wonder Lando wants the Millennium Falcon so bad, and he's so excited no, to be back in stop. it. in the Return of the Jedi because no. he's finally back no. inside her. No, it's just it's just another thing that they like try to like make it into a deeper meaning. And it's like shut up. It's yeah, the a, Millennium Falcon's a person. No, shut up. Shut up. Has rights, just no. like corporations. Oh my god. Yeah. So. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, that whole thing. Um, but yeah, overall, like even watching it a second time, I just, it just was not for me. This was honestly my favorite one that we've watched so far. Um, but that's just because I think that, I think that's more of a testament to the prequels not being good. Um, and you know, the Star Wars holiday special that we've already recorded and put in the can being the worst movie I have ever seen. And Mm -hmm. you you all should very much look forward to that episode because it was basically all of us just screaming what for about an hour, (laughs) um, and being confused. Yeah. I I think the one other thing that I picked up on that was interesting to me throughout the movie was that the characters are constantly 
acting like surprised by every like I counted at least three to four times where the characters were like audibly like I had a line in there saying how shocked they were at Han doing something good and it just felt like this very forced way of making things that he was doing that were kind of already impressive on their own like seem more impressive so that he seems more heroic and good and talented and like justifying of a solo movie um so it just felt very forced yeah it felt very forced to me that felt forced and then the romance between him and amelia clark's character i actually i think shout out to amelia clark because i actually think that she did a pretty good job in this role of making the character um like i think she did what she could with with, uh with the role that she was given and made it a little bit more than it could have been as far as like the cliche love interest and then like a random betrayal like they made her seem she made her seem very reluctant and like just to even get back into things with han and i thought that it was it carried on a tradition of star wars having like strong female protagonists who are like complicated individuals and more than just a love interest oh Um, yeah padme was really complicated towards padme they tried and they didn't really succeed but leia um ray and like there there are other jen urso yeah jen urso um and so you know because they're all brunettes yeah (laughs) pretty much yeah they have a star wars Wars type of brunettes yeah (laughs) which is fine i'm brunette so that's great (laughs) i i honestly feel bad for her that like this and terminator were the two like big budget movie franchises that she chose to like jump latch onto and try and like expand from beyond game of thrones into being in a blockbuster yeah and then she probably thought would be franchises and she just kind of got screwed over yeah i mean she got screwed over this year too with last christmas so yeah. This is not a good time for Amelia Clark. Yeah. And the final season of Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's a whole um, other thing. Yeah. So overall, I know that you enjoyed it. I mm, I still I maintain okay. this is an enjoyable movie if you're really into Star Wars. If, if you're, you're not, not really into Star Wars, it it's probably not for yeah. you. But if you're really into Star Wars, I think it's a fun watch. I think it's an addition, but it's not a necessary watch. It's DLC content. Oh my god. Okay, anyways, uh, tell us where they can find us, Harrison. Uh, They can find us at Rewind and Reconsider on Spotify and iTunes, and uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, I believe the show is in mine and Mia's bios. I am at H.M. Fagan. She is at Mia Agraviador. And yeah, so that's where you can find us. So our next... Listen to our next episode on um, Star Wars Story. Yes, we are... Our next movie is Rogue One. We are... Finally getting in to the good Star Wars movies. Yeah. In my opinion. We got a run of four out of five good ones coming up. Uh, Yep, we do. Because the the holiday special is in there. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening and uh, may the force be with you. And you're supposed to say also with you. And also with you. (laughs) Goodbye.